0: Welcome, listeners, to another Thursday edition of YE1 Spurs, the date 28th of May 2020, meaning it's nine and a half weeks and 10 emotional clap for carers sessions since COVID 19 took hold of our lives in the form of UK wide lockdown. This has been myself, Ian Wallace, 22-year-old Simeon Wright and his father of 62 years, Peter Wright's 10th week of regular podcast, seeing us complete three decades of Tottenham Hotspur season reviews. Today, the series penetrates the 1980s as our strong 1989-90s showing takes centre stage. And we're thrilled to be able to take in this further step back in the company of Walking Spurs Encyclopedia, Kevin Hill. Kevin, wonderful to have you along. How are things with yourself and your family during lockdown?
1: Yeah, not too bad, thanks, Ian. Yeah, it's uh, difficult, like everybody else experiencing the same thing, but we've got to get on with it.
0: You working much
1: or...? Yes, I've been working throughout, but obviously it's so many companies are furloughed, etc. You know, it doesn't make life easy. It
0: doesn't make life easy. But, Kevin, you've supported the club since the late 1960s and have been a seasoned holder for many tens of of years and most remarkably have missed just three home fixtures since 1982 that's one match every 12 and a half years kevin unbelievable i suppose this period threatens to be your longest spell away from white hart lane does it
1: well i suppose it does apart from obviously uh summer breaks etc but to think we've got to watch it with no crowds if it does come back you know we'll keep away for a bit longer
2: you can always get your cardboard cut out during the behind closed door game bundesliga eh
0: How have you become this Walking Spurs Encyclopedia? And I hope you don't mind us calling you this Walking Spurs Encyclopedia.
1: It's a bit of an in joke with people that know me. They call me the historian or whatever. It's it's purely based on, I suppose, my fanaticism following Spurs and and have done since a small child. And it started off sort of late 60s. I went with a friend of the family, and his uncle was groundsman of the Spurs. So. I used to stand in the old enclosure and had a pass for the, for the enclosure and a pass for the old west end, and I don't think I paid to get in until I was about 17, so it, it did help. So
0: did your family support
1: Spurs then? My father took me to my first game, and he never took me again because this friend of the family used to take me, which probably got my, my dad out, out of it. I mean, I suppose you would say, uh, yes, he was a Spurs supporter, and um, you know he, he went back to the late 40s and... We were a second division club and there were 70,000 crowds in the second division. But from there on in, until he took me, he had his own life and wasn't really into the football. So it's weird where I've come from because it's been my life, really, and that's it. And do you
0: sort of, you know, I I remember when I was younger, I must be about 10 or 11, I used to keep a scrapbook of Spurs games. And and did did you sort of, is that how you started
1: or do you keep records? Did you ever keep paper records? Probably not as such, but I've always been a collector of programmes and handbooks. You know, sort of a collection. I've got every home game uh, since the double season and every handbook since 47. And, you know, it's it's, it's always been stuff. I'm just, I'm just interested in anything Spurs. And, you know, even before my lifetime, it's the thing that does it for me, really.
0: And do you have like a, a head for these sort of stats? Is that sort of something? Are you good at retaining this information in everyday life or is it just Spurs stuff?
1: Well, to be honest with you, I, I would say I've got a, an elephant mind for, for useless stuff, really. But... As for each season and, and each individual stat, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily into that, but it's it's sort of, you know, certain games and certain things you remember where you were in the in the ground and, you know, what the attendance may be, that sort of stuff.
0: Do you go to the pub beforehand with the lads and you know, they'll be having a conversation and they'll always like sort of, you know, ask a question like if, if they don't know a stat and you'll just come up with it?
1: Yeah, you've got it here, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> good, good man I like a man like that we we, we need someone like that don't we uh, Simon Peter on yeah. YE1 yeah, it, sounds like, it sounds
3: like you could um, pull us up on some really small details there Kevin
1: well to be honest I have to look back in books as well You know, it doesn't always have a eureka moment but books that's another thing all the Spurs books ones out I buy it well
3: if you're going in the late 60s I started going in the 70 71 season in the boys gate on the uh, corner of the Paxton Road and i um, that East stand there the Chivers in season that team yeah. was the first yeah. but I mean you go back before that do you remember a goal by Martin Chivers against Stoke in a, I think it was a 3 or 4 nil when I was in the Paxton Road and behind the goal where he curled it in I don't know if you remember that goal
1: yeah, there's a couple of early '70s ones which they yeah. they keep showing on the big match revisited, and one Spurs Stoke, and I think it's a 4-3 that game. Who have scored? Yeah, but, you might uh, you
3: might spot me behind the goal in a tank top with an afro, looking like one of the Jackson Five.
0: <laughs> is that why you're running now, Peter, to get back into that tank top? Yeah,
3: yeah, my hair is sort of like getting closer and closer to Fellaini.
0: Kevin, what, what would you say? Sort of, you know, obviously having going to the ground, and Peter, obviously, you know, Kevin going to the ground when we are younger. Would you say It's the evolution of the ground, Kevin. Like, you know, because obviously you saw it before the West Stand, and then the West Stand's built, and then we sort of saw it become this thirty-six thousand bowl, and now we've got this hulking, great, wonderful stadium. How do you sort of feel about the evolution of White Hart Lane?
1: To be honest with you, I mean, this is purely my own feeling on it, and and maybe some others from from my generation feel the same, but The 90s onwards stadium, as you said rightly, the 36,000 capacity stadium, you know, people refer to that as the old girl. And to me, it's nothing like the old girl. The old girl was the shelf, big crowds, obviously terracing. In the end, it was a reasonable stadium, 36,000. But, you know, for a club of Spurs size, stature, for a club of Spurs crowd history, you know, it, it was a very, very small capacity stadium. And... My overwhelming thing and my overwhelming problem with that stadium, I think, was what they did to the east end, which obviously the opening of it was in you know the season we're about to, about to discuss. I sort of quite liked
0: the stadium when it did turn into this thirty-six thousand stadium. I think it made the best of a bad bunch, but having sort of stood on the shelf as a youngster, the fragmented stadium just made it feel and the you know the the floodlights in the corners, it, it just felt I don't know, you lost a bit of character for me. I don't know about how you felt about that, Kevin.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, as I say, you know, the, the shelf. I mean, when, you know, when you, when you consider that stand was built in 1934, it was open. You've got an 18,000 capacity terrace with another four or five thousand on top of it seated. And when you consider how they condensed that with the boxes and the, you know, the, the ledge as people called it, I even had a season ticket there, but. It was the stand that made the stadium, really, and and uh, I think players who played in these sort of generations before it was changed would all agree with that.
3: Kevin, I watched the 1972 UEFA Cup final where Muller scored the 1-1 one one, yeah. one, 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 one draw with Wolves from the shelf, so I, I would definitely agree with you on that. I yeah, were. yeah, it was rocking. Yeah, I mean that really did rock. Sometimes,
0: what, what would you say, sort of, Kevin, in your in all your years of going, has
1: been your sort of favourite team? I mean, the one I grew up with, basically, was the early 70s side. And I think, you know, most supporters can probably recite, you know, their side, as they call it, when, when they first started to watch. So, I mean, that, that, that's the one where the, um, you know, what I would call my heroes growing up, Pat Jennings particularly, Cyril Knowles, these sort of players, Stevie P they would sort of stay with me and I, I just felt that generation was a, a generation that sort of understood the supporter as well. Now I'm not convinced.
0: Do you think having the man on the street then was closer to wage wise to like the man on the pitch and do you think that's a big difference that they were just one of us really a little bit?
1: Yeah, I, I think even before my time, you know, it was even more so. You, you know, you hear the stories of uh, Len Dukeman drinking in the corner pin and Gilly in the next generation, and you know they are going there after the game and stand at the bar with the working man. Well, you know the the chances of that happening today, I think, are about zero, aren't they? Yeah, you might
0: you might get a retweet on Twitter from one of them, but that that'll be about it, won't it?
1: Absolutely,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember when when Richard Gough signed for Spurs, and I think it was about was it eighty six, was it eighty five, eighty six? And uh, I remember he was earning two thousand pound a week. So was that one oh four? 104 grand a year. And I remember at the time, I think I was working in the city and I think I earned about 10 grand. And I just think, like, that sort of era, you know, he was earning 10 times, you know, 10 times more than I was. But now, you know, these players are earning like, you know, 20, 30 times more than the
1: man on the street, aren't they? The disparity is just huge. Oh, for sure. And, you know, we're talking to the real top elite players and, you know, the hundreds of thousands a week. I mean, it's just monopoly money, isn't it? Players chop and change clubs far more than they did back then. And the rules have changed, haven't they, and on the side of the player. What would you say is your favourite
0: player ever? You mentioned Pat Jennings and a few of the other guys. who would you say is your favourite ever in all your time supporting?
1: I mean, certainly Big Pat You know, I was a kid, I absolutely adored him. He's absolutely everything to me. And of course, when he left, he went over the road, returned back, and nobody blinks an eye. You know, that's a look yeah. about the man, doesn't it? Yeah, so
0: another man wasn't afforded that same
1: uh, no, same uh, welcome back, was he? No, it in a different way. But then there's others. Glenn Hoddle, I saw the end of the Greens era. Jimmy Greaves when I was I was a real small small lad and just getting into football. You know, I just couldn't believe when Spurs sold him. Stevie P, another one, he's one of us. They're the ones that really mean the most to me.
3: There's a particular save that Big Pat made against Everton. You might well you, you probably will have been that game seventy seventy one 71 season Alan Ball got the ball on the edge of the six yard box and well it, and uh, Pat went down with one hand and just flicked it around the post and Alan Ball came down to where I was standing in the corner of that Paxton Road and East and he was just effing and blinding he was yeah. I just just couldn't believe that, that he'd saved it, you know. I just, just
1: that, that's, that's a, one that's shown a few times. I think you can see yeah. that on YouTube, is he got white gloves on at yeah. the time.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Alan ball has got the famous white boots on as well. That he used yeah, to yeah. A, yeah, yeah, it just sticks in my memory that that particular Pat Jennings. Experience. That lovely
1: sandy pitch which was like Blackpool Beach, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's incredible. it's incredible when you look back at the pictures now. I mean, I watched some footage, even on the season we're going to look at soon. You know, it wasn't the pitch wasn't the best then, was it? You think how far the pitches
1: have come now. It's quite amazing, actually. And, and, and the story I, I sort of started with, with the groundsman of the Spurs being a friend of the family, if you like. A chap called Henry Naylor. He was on the ground staff from the 40s. He became quite a while-long groundsman. Uh, certainly into the 60s. And uh, in in the late 60s, he had heart problems and uh, had to basically stand down. But they made such a a mess of the pitch. I think it was 69-70 season. I mean, there was literally no grass on it. That they went to him in the turn of the following season and asked asked him if he would come back.
0: I don't want to put you on the spot, Kevin, but I've got a question I'm going to ask you just to test your little knowledge out before we crack into it, OK? So, this is not a pre-rehearsed listeners. So, what was Chris Waddle's first league game for Spurs? Was
1: that Watford at home? Yeah. Oh,
0: brilliant. 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 Spot, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and if you can give me roughly the crowd, that'll be super.
1: Yeah, I've been so odd, but it?
0: Twenty, I think it was twenty-nine, two, two, eight, four, something around that. Yeah. But great, great,
1: great memory. That's
0: that's that's your last test. You can relax now and just yeah, enjoy no. yeah, it.
1: Cheers. <laughs> You're not going to
0: be able to mess the scale on any stats. I
1: don't
0: think. <laughs> I, know, I know. Sim, uh, we, we we've got our own stat man in Sim. So Sim, how how do you feel about being with you know an older stat man?
2: Oh yeah, I mean learning from the best here. I mean um, the difference with me is that I have to use Google, whereas Kevin can just recite it and he's got all the years of going to the games and you know it's, it's pretty it's pretty impressive stuff I'm, I'm very impressed indeed right okay
0: let's move on to the season eighty nine ninety. kevin thanks so much for sharing your unrivaled spurs fanaticism with us and answering that question and the listeners i think made us miss full stadiums and watching our team even more but also look increasingly forward to doing yeah. so again anyway on to eighty nine ninety. one of my personal favorites i went to a lot of games that season and we were actually pretty good actually for some news and sport context, English engineer and computer scientist Tim Berners-Lee spent the time span of this season preparing to launch the revolutionary World Wide Web, which we did in the form of the first web page in December 1990. Also, the Taylor Report was published in January of the same year, which called for the closure of standing areas at football grounds in response to the Hillsborough disaster. White Hart Lane's newly refurbished East stand had opened three months prior to the report. Terry el Venables went continental with the transfer business of July 1989, picking up the phone to former employees FD Barcelona in a successful effort to bring goal machine Gary Lineker to the lane for a £1 million,
2: starving off interest from Alex Ferguson and Man United to do so. Chris Wardle went off to the south of France to join Marseille for £4.5 He was the player of the year. 1987-88, was it? Yeah, yeah, I think it was, yeah. And um obviously he played in the World Cup for England in 1990. But I just want to, all three of you, just want to kind of find out how you felt when he went off. Because, you know, it's exciting getting a player like Lineker in, I'm sure. But Waddle was kind of in the... I think mean, he was 29 at the time in the peak of his powers. Was that a disappointment to see him go? Yeah, I thought it was a shame. Uh, because, yeah, definitely a yeah. shame. Because
3: that means we never got to see Waddle, Gascoigne and Lineker in the same team. And it's like a good core of English players, you know, tends to bring success. So we just were, we just missed out on seeing those three on the pitch together, didn't we? I agree. And yeah. do you think, Peter
0: and Kevin, to throw this out there, that if
3: he'd have stayed, but looking
1: where we finished, we possibly could have had a title tilt that season. Kevin, how do you feel about that? I think so. I mean, I think, uh, what's just been said. I mean, to have those three together. I mean, it it would have been something else. Once the transfer was made, there was things coming out of the club about the debt, which obviously um, months down the line, um, you know, was gonna come back and really bite us big, wasn't it? Well, I suppose the following year we won, you know, we won the FA Cup, but you know, the the, the finish what was it, something like tenth in the league, wasn't it, the following season?
0: Did anyone feel that the Waddle's last season at Wyhart Lane was a bit like Gareth Bow's last season at Spurs, where he pretty I felt he carried us. Peter, I don't know if you agree with me.
3: I can't recall him, I wouldn't say put it as strongly as the way Gareth Bale carried us like in that last season for us. Uh, but definitely like a pivotal player in the side, just a key man if you like, but uh, I don't know about carrying us.
0: Sim, who else did we bring in? So we brought in Lineker for
3: 1.1 million.
2: Yeah, so we brought in Justin Edinburgh from Southend, left back, obviously stayed for 10 years, uh, 150,000 that was. He came in the January. Also, Steve Sedgley came in from Coventry in the summer. That was for 750,000. And Pat van den Hau for 575,000 from Everton. He's a Belgian born Wales international and he'd won two league titles and a Cup Winners' Cup at Everton. I believe he was quite a uh, feisty character on the pitch, was he? Yeah, he was a Norman Bysshe logo. He was. And no, he was a good
0: player for me. You know, him coming in, he was a really, really great. I think if we look back in hindsight, he was a
1: great servant for the club. Kevin, do you agree? Yeah, very technical player, wasn't he? You know, he'd come through the Barca system. Probably somewhat underrated, actually. He didn't come for a big transfer fee necessarily, but, you know, he gave good service to the club. I enjoyed watching him, I must say.
0: Yeah, I think he was a bit ahead of his time, actually, because I think in the the modern day football now, he was quite fast and technical, moved the ball well. I think he possibly would be better suited to the game
3: now. Yeah, for sure. He could fit in that Man City team now. Slot straight in, I reckon.
2: Played for us for longer than he actually played for us as well, didn't he? That was one of his best performances in a Spurs
0: shirt, they say. One player who left was a youngster in that season was Sean Murray. Now, I remember Sean Murray, the small guy, lovely technical footballer. I think he played about not many
1: games for Spurs. You remember him, Kevin? Yeah, he was an all-sea slab, wasn't he? I think. And uh, yeah, he was. I had high hopes for him, but you know he was very slight, wasn't he? A technical player. That era, I think we had quite a lot of these players. At the club, I think, that Johnny Moncur was about, wasn't he? Another technical he was. player and yeah. two feet and, and whatever. And Ian Crook came through. Similar sort of players, I think. Very good on the ball and, and technicians. And all in the, the keeping of a Spurs midfield player, I suppose. Yeah, totally agree there. I mean, to
0: be honest, he was a bit too small, but he was technically a lovely footballer. Um, he actually went on to play a lot for Bradford and then Notts County so it's quite interesting that he sort of survived in those leagues literally played about like 200 games in those leagues so he, he did very, very very well there so I think Peter looking back how did you sort of feel about at the start of the season obviously Waddle had gone but we've got Lineker in you know how did you sort of feel before the season started did you feel positive
3: definitely you know that, like you said the guy is a goal machine scores goals hmm. wherever he's been you know and I was really glad to have him disappointed to see, see Waddle leave but you know I felt overall, it felt like a uh, glass half full kind of feeling at the start of the season. Yeah, so, was this Gaz's first season as well? Season second, second. Yeah, uh, second he'd season. been there eighty eight. He joined in eighty eight, didn't he? Uh, yeah. yeah, from Newcastle. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I just, I just want to um, give you some context. We had a pre season tour in July and August, and you know we we done all right. We beat some couple of Irish teams. Lost the Glasgow Rangers. Then went to the Nordics and won a couple of games there. Then we lost. Couple of friendlies away to Dinamo, Bucharest and Atletico Madrid. Kevin, how did you sort of feel before the start of the season? Because pre-season
1: didn't really go that well. It's often the case, you know, a number of the, the sides you you picked out there were sort of traditional friendlies who we used to play against Rangers, didn't we, quite often and yeah, uh, whatever. But you know, I'm, I think I'm one of these. I, I, I never used to think too deeply about pre-season form. So obviously, as soon as the you know the the, the season begins, yeah. And, You find players that have probably only played a couple of pre-season games, but then start the season well. So you can't always read too much into that. But no, I I, I was feeling, certainly with the signings as well, that season what I recall, you know, feeling quite confident, particularly with the Linicus time. Well, also, Sedgley
0: possibly was a real big signing for us. He was like quite well fancied by a lot of clubs, wasn't he? And I think when he came in, he sort of came in as a centre-back, didn't he? But I think that he sort of, Played more centre midfield, I think, yeah. in the end. But he was a great
1: signing, I think, at the time. Yeah, of course, he was at the club before as a youth, wasn't he? And uh, Spurs. Yeah, he's from Enfield, isn't he? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Funny, I, I played for his father actually. Uh, uh, obviously, going back a few years, but Spurs rated him quite highly as a kid. But I think he, they were not really uh, coming up with the goodies with, with regard to professional contracts. So I think off he went to Coventry, but. Um, no, oh, it was another one. He came back and, and to be fair to him, I think he did, you know, he did pretty well.
0: Sim, can we sort of crack into the season then? So, uh, if you can just give us how we sort of started. As I say, we did have a great pre-season. You can sort of let us know how we started.
2: Yeah, it wasn't a great start either, was it? It was. Um, so, the first game of the season, we did actually win. We beat Luton 2-1 at home and that was in front of actually only 17,500 fans, obviously, because of the refurbishment of the East Stand that we talked about. Um, I think there was no yeah.
0: away fans as well, wasn't there? If you oh, Kevin, really? am I right? Was there no yeah, away yeah. away fans allowed?
1: The first two games it was sixteen thousand for the Luton game and seventeen for the Chelsea game. And I can remember the East End obviously wasn't in use for those two games. And then it wasn't open fully until the Arsenal game in the October, I think. Correct, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we
2: didn't so we didn't 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 start too well sim? No, we didn't, no. So, Paul Stewart and Paul Allen, the two pools, scored in that game. But then we lost three out of our next four. So, we got beaten 2-1 at home by... No, sorry, 2-1 away at Everton. Drew one one at Man City. And then um, 2-0 at Villa. And then we lost 4-1 at home to Chelsea. I think you were at that game, were you, Ian?
0: I was at that game, yeah. Mm. And, I, and I, I, I don't know about if Peter and Kevin will agree with me. I felt really upset because Hazard played really, really well for them that day. And I felt really aggrieved that even when he celebrated
1: that game, sort of fallen away, I and mean, you think a Spurs Chelsea game, and there's only seventeen thousand there, three sides of the stadium as well. It's like, that's the sort of thing that sits in my mind, really. That. Yeah, they sort of run right a
0: little bit with us. I think I don't know if they got promoted a season before. I'm not sure, but they really were on form. And Kerry Dixon, I remember, when did we sort of start to pick up after that Chelsea game?
2: Yeah, we did start to pick up. So Lineker hadn't actually scored in the first month of the season up until this point so I don't know if there was any talk about a flop or anything at that time but he did manage to get his first goal in a 2-2 draw against Norwich in September late September but yeah we we went on a decent decent little run after that 1-4 in a row having beaten QPR 3-2 at home and Lineker got a hat-trick in that game so very much up and running goal-wise there Lineker Yeah the only game I actually specifically
3: vividly remember from that season was the Charlton away game which is down the road from us at Salah's Park and I was behind the goal at the Holmesdale end and I remember them getting a penalty and Lineker sort of like picking up the ball and some Spurs fan next to me said you greedy bastard Lineker <laughs> he wanted to take all the penalties so that, sticks in, my mind. that yeah. sticks
0: in my mind I mean he, he, he had a great season I mean, he scored 24 goals and made the PFA team of the season and bearing in mind that Liverpool team won the league that season Kevin well, they were a very strong team so he did very well to yeah. score 24
1: goals and he played in all 38 league games I think didn't he that season as well I mean, you, you yeah. think it's a league
0: game good um, but another another player who sort of started, who played a very very good season for us Peter was Paul Allen
3: that was one of his best seasons for Spurs in my eyes Peter yeah for sure he just did a lot of the donkey work in midfield and you like, I remember having a conversation with somebody about him and particularly because he featured in the 87 team as well and, and, and in yeah. fact you take him out of the team and you really miss him, but you don't notice when he's there. But you do notice when he's not. Yeah. He's not there, he's one of those kind of guys. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, were you a fan of Paul Allen?
1: Yeah, mid-lolly. I
3: mean, it, it, it was like a
1: you know a, a wind-up toy, wasn't he? You know, you you sort of set him free and he, he wouldn't stop running. And you know, I think every every successful side needs one of those, don't they? In, in any era. Yeah, I totally agree,
0: and I think he did love Spurs as well. Um, I think he was another one, Kevin. I think he was underrated. You talk about Naeem. he was really underrated in those couple of seasons. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah. Spot on, spot on. Youngest guy
0: to
3: win playing an FA Cup final or something was he at the time? He yeah, was. He yeah, was, was
0: yeah. when he was at West Ham, I think. I think. Yeah, yeah correct. So
3: we drew away
0: uh, Norwich, and then we had Queens Park Rangers at home, and Charlton as well, as as uh, Peter says. Charlton away, which was great, and then it brings us to the Arsenal game. Sin,
2: yep, tell us I'll, what happened there. Yep, so we beat Arsenal two one. Samways and Walsh got the goals. Um I'd be interested to know what was the feeling when the new stand opened up. Definitely not
1: as good as before, but obviously sort of back then, 1989. You know, it, it was a, a, a new stand, and you know Spurs were touting it that we had the best ground in London now and whatever. And I wouldn't necessarily have agreed with that, but obviously it it was a thing of the time, more executive boxing. But that's one sort of game that stands out a little bit. I I, I think we worked really hard. I I think it was a midweek game, I think, wasn't it? It was, yeah, correct. Yeah. I can remember Sedgley going off and um, he had an eye injury, and um, I think they stitched him up and he came back on, but it was a real. Real good performance because did Arsenal win the league the year before? They, yeah, they did. They they were
0: actually much better team than us. They had some really good players in their team, so it was a it was a bit of a shock actually. But I I do remember going to the game as well, Kevin. And it really was rocking that night. But I think it was rocking a lot because they had the whole. Remember the times they used to have the whole of the Park Lane end. Peter, do you remember those days when the oh, away yeah, fans would I have the whole? The, it really uh, just made like the crowd. You know, it made the atmosphere just fantastic, didn't it?
3: Yeah, I was stuffed with the painful defeat of them winning the title on our ground in 71 with that Ray Kennedy goal, but also, you say, them having the whole of that park lane and uh, Liam Brady curling one in into that end. That was a 5-0, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Let's not dwell on that. Obviously,
2: the, the the ground got refurbished for the last time, didn't it, in 98. I can only really remember the ground the way it was when we obviously moved out of it a couple of years ago, but I always... What I always hated was, although I loved the place, I always hated the corner of the Paxton Road and the east stand. I just thought it looked, I think it was like a little, there was a bit of a plastic thing sticking out. And I thought it was a really aesthetic ground apart from that particular corner. I don't know if that irritated anyone else. Well, that's where I used to go as a 11-year-old. Yeah. It's, it's probably <laughs> just me, but that just really annoyed me, that corner, for whatever reason.
0: Sim, you're, 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 you're a youngster. You're, you're <laughs> used to these lovely grounds. You know, I quite like the, the jutted out, Ugly <laughs> grounds, I think. Going back to the, the Arsenal games, the so Samways scored, scored an absolute fantastic goal. I don't know if you guys remember it. It's pretty much from exactly the same spot as Danny Rose hit his volley. Do you remember the goal, Kevin?
1: Very vaguely, yeah. I'll be, yeah. be honest. Very vaguely, yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a bit of a rocket.
0: We've talked a lot over the past few podcasts, Kevin, about Vinny Samways. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of him. What was your sort of take on him? Watching him week in, week out.
1: Do you know what? I mean, I, I I love technical footballers, full stop. Particularly if that's, they've got a white Spurs shirt on. I must say, I, I like Sam Ways too. And, and a lot of Spurs fans would probably disagree with both of us. He didn't have this, he didn't have that. But he had a cultured left foot, he had a lovely touch. Maybe lacking a yard or two in pace, possibly. But, you know, I always felt he worked really hard. And I think he carried out instruction. You know, some people didn't like it because he tried to keep the ball. And yeah, then... I,
0: I totally agree. I mean, he, he had the nickname of Vinny Sideways, didn't he, a little bit? And oh. I thought that was really unfair because he kept the ball moving, you
3: know, yeah. possibly, yeah. as you say, under instruction. like Almost like uh, Harry Wings does now, but he played a key role in the FA Cup the following, the, the 1991 season, some ways. I, I got a lot of time for him.
0: Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. He really, really was a good player in my eyes. I like that technical player. And another player, Kevin, I could throw at you is David Howells. I'm also a huge fan of him. He was a lovely technical footballer as well.
1: He was, and you know, I think he started out as a centre-forward, and I think you know his debut for Spurs was that Sheffield went away and he scored as a centre-forward. Correct. I mean, he came through the, the, the combination side of playing up top as well. Again, you know, he had two feet. In sort of first traditions. but you know he also worked really hard for the side, how's he? And, um, You know I don't think anyone
0: can dispute that. I think he was massively underrated because technically I thought he was a really good footballer, two-footed, and he also got his, stuck his toe in a bit. But do you think he's underrated by the fans because he was his legacy tainted a bit by the turgid years he played in for Spurs, like in the early nineties? Do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think there's a few like that. You see on social media people pouring scorn on the on these players and whatever, and you know I sort of think to myself, but I wish I was good enough to play two or three hundred times for Tottenham Hotspur, you know.
0: Peter, another another
3: player who played quite a lot that season for Spurs was Paul
0: Moran, a youngster. Do you remember him? Uh, Vaguely, it's just a really sparrow. Vague,
3: vague. I mean, a lot of these people tend to kind of fade into the shadows of uh, the the bigger names, I guess.
1: Do you remember him, Kevin? Spurs? Yeah, well, the Enfield boy, very quick and you know very direct. And again, I think Spurs had high hopes for him, and it, you know he was sort of breaking into. You know there were a few big names in the Spurs side, but, but when he started breaking in, and you know uh, again it, it sort of uh, it petered off. I think he had injuries, and whatever, and you know I think after that after Spurs, I don't think he did an awful lot really. It, it, he didn't. No,
2: you're
0: right. He didn't. Peter, do you sort of look back and think, you know, we finished third, yes, we were quite a few points behind the winners, but do you think, you know, if we'd have started better, you know, the momentum we sort of had, you know, this really could have been like, you know, a season where we, you know, we challenged for
3: the title, Peter. Absolutely, because when did we finish third? So, do you think you add in, you factor in maybe a better start, you know, we'd have been kind of pretty much knocking on the door rather than, I think we were quite a few points off the winners weren't we yeah, were Liverpool quite yeah. on the
2: decline at this point because this was their last title wasn't it before obviously now and they still haven't won it yeah yeah.
0: I mean they, they were fantastic this season I, I don't know if you guys Peter or yeah, remember team. how good this Liverpool team were Beardsley
3: Barnes weren't they they were fantastic yeah I mean, they had a great side still I mean I, I went to the FA Cup semi-final with Palace with Crystal Palace mm-hmm. at Villa Park and it was still Hansen and Barnes and Steve McMahon and Rush I think they even had Aldrich as well. They had a really good start. Yeah. we finished sixteen points below them, Peter. But you think you know
0: the bad mm-hmm. start we had? Who knows what would have happened would we started yeah.
3: well, put the pressure on them. And maybe if we'd had Waddle in the team, that might have been the thing that would have made a difference. You
0: know? Yeah, I t- it's totally terrible. agree. It's what
3: if situation, isn't it? Really.
0: There's always a lot of what it's with us Spurs fans, as you know. Right, Sim, can you take the sort of thing after the Arsenal game, sort of how we went uh, just up to Christmas possibly?
2: Yeah, so the game after the Arsenal game was the, the last of the four-match winning run. Paul Moran, who you just spoke about there, scored in... I don't know if it was his first Spurs goal. He's, I, I know he scored two for us uh, in mm. his time. But um, yeah, we beat Sheffield Wednesday 3-0. The run did end at Anfield. We lost to, as we said, the Champions-elect Liverpool 1-0. But then I think what was what was quite notable about this season and remained notable for some years later was the wins at Old Trafford and Stamford Bridge which came because these were two records that have just been thrown at us and thrown at us and thrown at us for years and it's become a bit of, it became a bit of a mental block and it just became irritating more than anything and I just wonder is this where the Spursy identity sort of came from, the inability to get results at these kind of places?
3: You know, I think a lot of it's down to maybe a lack of mental strength and maybe belief I don't know Cause it's, it's easy to let the pre-match stats and historic reports get under your skin and maybe it, it has over the years got under our skin I don't know I, I can't put my finger on it but those particular two grounds we've just got really bad records at I don't know what, what, what you think yeah. guys yeah. Kevin what
0: do
1: you think I mean the, the Spursy thing is very frustrating for me um,
0: yeah. what do you think to
1: be honest, only many people say this, and, and, and uh, I don't think anyone comes up with a, a definitive answer, do they? But I was at the Chelsea away game, actually, and I was fortunate enough to be in, a, in the in the executive area there. And, and uh, about 10 minutes into the game, Peter Cook turned up. He oh, was, really? He had the more fame, yeah. and sat right in front of me. And uh, he, he was Brahms and list um, when he turned up. Yeah. and he went back at half-time, back to the bar, and we never saw him again. <laughs> that almost sticks out more than the two, with our last,
0: Yeah, we played well, though, I think, to, to win away there, even though they're not the Chelsea of now, but to win away at Man United was brilliant. I just felt like, I don't know about, um, if I can go to you first, Kevin, on this, I felt Venables had some a bit of buzz about us. He had a bit of camaraderie amongst the team, did you feel that? And do you feel we we're getting a bit into a rhythm? The
1: word they use is they were playing for the manager, and I think that season, you know, the third finish and whatever, we we were getting on a bit of a roll, weren't we? And I think that group of players that they like playing for the manager, and you know, it's uh, it's not always the case, is it? And um, and
0: Kevin, we um, talk a lot on this about investment, and do you think sort of Peter, can I can go to you on this. So we had a really good team there, and do you think we finished third this season? And if we'd have like you know invested a lot more but we didn't you know subsequently we didn't have the cash we didn't know that at the time though but you think if we'd invested more we could have possibly won the league. Yeah, it's another
3: another what if but you know like you learn about the financial constraints that we were under but that was only to be revealed later but yeah with with certainly a bit more money we would have made a proper full tilt for the title i think because because venables himself was like a really astute tactician Brilliant man-manager, could get the best out of Gascoigne, and Gascoigne, and you know, who knows where we would have gone,
0: you know? Yeah, totally, I totally agree there. Who would you sort of say, Kevin, looking back at that period, You know, was our first choice defence? Because it's very difficult to sort of see. I mean, Fennec played a lot of full-back. Obviously, Van Den played uh, most of the time at left-back. then the centre-backs, you know, there was Sedgley, Mabber, Fennec, Butters, Polston... Do you think that was where we were a bit weak? Because we conceded a lot of goals that season, even though you know
1: we done well. Yeah, you, you may be right. Um, uh, centrally, there we didn't seem to have a regular partnership, did we? And the sort of following season, it became Mabbott and Sedge, I suppose. Certainly for the for the sort of cup final. Yeah.
3: So, the, uh, the loss of Richard uh, Goff was a really big loss, actually, So he only stayed for one or two seasons. Was it one or two? He just won one it. season, I think. He, yeah. he, he had a really good partnership with. I mean, Mabbott really tried to. Persuade him to stay, I think. But they had they had a really good centre back partnership. Just sad that got yeah. broken up, really.
0: I mean, I just remember watching games that season and we were vibrant. We moved all quickly. We had a lot of pace in the team. You know, a lot of aggression in the team as well. I mean, and our forwards, they really run the channels. Like Paul Stewart and Gary Lineker were really willing runners, weren't they? Of channels. Yeah. I don't know if, Peter, what's your thoughts on that combination of Lineker and Stewart, or was
3: Walsh and
0: Lineker a better combination?
3: I think possibly if you ask Lineker, maybe he might have preferred to play with Paul Stewart because I think Paul Stewart would just run selflessly and tirelessly into those channels, as you say. So, and, and kind of maybe taking a lot of creating space for Lineker you know, by taking people away from Lineker. So I, I would say, of those two, you know, I'd say I'd say Paul Stewart is probably the most effective partner for Lineker. Yeah, I agree. What do you think?
1: Kevin on that? Well, I don't think sort of Walsh was in in and out a little bit, wasn't he? he really, in his older of his Spurs career, I don't think he really ever was number one choice necessarily. And he wasn't a bad signing for us. And, you know, again, was a was a, was a nice technical player and, and, and a different player to, to Lineker. Yeah, we well, were talking about
3: as a foil. He goal, wasn't he? As a foil for Lineker, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Stuart was yeah. probably better. Yeah,
1: but then Stuart dropped back into midfield, didn't he, uh, soon after? and, and he did, yeah. Probably found his real birth because I think he played the rest of his career there, didn't he? Uh?
0: Yeah, he did. He went to Liverpool, didn't he, and played there. He was a really good centre midfield player. He, start, he started so badly
1: at Spurs, though. Yeah, big signing, 700,000 or whatever it was. And, yeah. Uh, you know, at, at the time, and it, it was this out-and-out striker that we thought we'd been missing. And as you say, he didn't start well at all.
0: No, you didn't. You're right. Um, Sim, can you sort of take us to the turn after Christmas, please?
2: Yeah. Um. Sorry. Just another thing on attendances. Uh. Kevin, is uh, is there a reason why the attendances fluctuated so much in the season? Like, not not even to do with the the stand, but I'm seeing kind of some nineteen thousands during, like, sort of the second half of the season. And then it would jump up to thirty three. Was there a reason for that? You could remember at all?
1: I think that was part of the era. Yeah. yeah. You know, by the end of the season, I think our our average home gate was just over twenty six. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Villa were above us, weren't they? And I think theirs was about twenty five. It was that time when you know grounds weren't full every week.
2: Yeah. C- could you notice at all when there was possibly less people there? Was it was it clear? I grew up with that.
1: With you know, with a big ground. I mean. I've been in White the old Royal Lane with 56,000, 57,000, mm. and, you know, you turn up each week on a Saturday, and, you know, a lot of us oldies would look around a, a stadium, and, and you say, how many do you think here today, mm. Joe? Oh, about 32, or, mm. no, about 27 today, you know, and this was the sort of conversation you have. whereas today's football, yeah. It's going to be four, wouldn't it? I used
0: to always have conversations yeah. with my mates, Kevin. Like, so what do you reckon the crowd would be today? It was a real big thing, wasn't it?
1: It was, yeah. And I, I mean, to say it's a big thing, you know, I used to look in newspapers, I think people of my generation do, or what was the crowd today? And, you know, now I, I don't. I, was,
2: uh, I don't know, sorry, your generation do, 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 you, do you pay any attention to it? A, um to be honest, i me and Ian go to Dulish Hamlet, our local club, quite a lot. And that's it's it's a conversation that still exists in non league football when you kinda you yeah. do kinda speculate how many are gonna be there today and you can kinda you can make an estimate like, Oh, I think we're we're looking at over two thousand today or whatever. It's it's quite interesting to do. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's that's a that's a great point, Sim. Yeah. And that's sort of the only sort of time I sort of still get that conversation because Obviously,
3: we know Spurs are going to have 60,000, 62,000 every week. So, but yeah, were, that's, a, that's a really, really good point. In, in the old days, Ian, um, there was a, um, mid-60s games, like, before I started going, but I, I read that, you know, some Spurs-Man United games would regularly draw a crowd of 70,000, both mm. at Old Trafford and at White Hart Lane. 70,000 yeah. in White Hart Lane, you can't imagine that in the old stadium. Yeah, That's they, crazy. Yeah, that they, they was the glamour game of the season, though, Spurs Man United. But I, do
0: you yeah. do, do not think, guys, sorry, Kevin, do you not think, though, that the fact that you could just rock on up and play on the turnstiles? You know, remember going to away games thinking, "Now am I going to go? Yeah, I might as well go. Just rock on up. You, there's not the, you know, the process now where you got your tickets and everything. Do you think people took it or leave
1: it sometimes, do you think? I, I think, definitely, because we're missing generations now of young lads going to football. When I was... Thirteen, fourteen. You know, I remember being at Spurs in a fifty thousand crowd. The 1975 season when we played Leeds and we played Chelsea over a matter of days. Lockout crowds, and, and, and you just roll up and queue up in the boys for thirty pence. Yeah. Uh, but you went with your mates, and you were fourteen years of age. You know, and um, that just wouldn't happen now. I mean, it can't happen for number one, but. You know, 14 year olds go with their mates to, you know, and uh, rock up at Spurs and pay 60 quid to sit down. I doubt it.
0: Hmm. No, you're right. And also, Sim, can I just sort of tell you like a little anecdote where my, my dad used to take me to Spurs and uh, because I was quite small, he used to take a
3: milk crate and we used to, I used to stand on a milk crate. Do you remember those days, Peter? Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. But this, yeah. I mean, the season that we're actually talking about is a pivotal season because it's the last season before Hillsborough changed everything and. It was the last season before the the World Cup, you know, uh, and the sort of, something happened and like, culturally, like, you had the sort of lad culture and the ladettes and the the lad culture, the the, the, the lad mags and all that, and uh, people started to fall back in love with football after the 1990 World Cup, which was coming at the end of this season, particular season we're talking about. And then yeah. you, you saw women at football games and the crowds started to creep upwards. Which... Yeah,
0: that's a, that's a really good point.
3: Yeah. A really good point. I just want to sort of go back to us having Gaza
0: and Lineker in the team. And I just want to ask, Peter, you first. Do you feel that was the last time up to now that we've had two world-class players in the team?
3: Um, well, I, I would kind of, like, say no, because I can draw a parallel with that team and the, the one that... <laughs> At the height of what Pochettino produced when we had Dele Alli and Harry Kane, we had this core of English players, I think we had five players in the England team, didn't we? If you include Dyer and Rose and Walker. So I'd say, but the two stars, I guess, Ali and Kane, you know, would be equivalent to your Gaza and your Lineker, but then Gaza's probably the finest player of his
2: generation. And Raff, Raffer and Bale as well, stands out. Yeah but, yeah. And Bale. yeah, but I'm talking She's about like, as Eng- England players. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah,
3: yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a parallel there. So, I, I don't think it was the last time, no. That's interesting. Kevin, what's your thoughts on that?
1: I did feel at the time, I can remember feeling this at the time, we were just so reliant on those two around about this period. And you sort of felt that, you know, we, we just didn't have enough big hitters amongst them. We were just reliant on Lineker getting the goals, Gazza getting his goals. You know, and there's, what, Lineker 24 league goals that season. The nearest to him league was, what was it, eight? Yeah. Stuart, yep. Just every week, we're just looking for them to get us out of jail. But, uh, you know, previous to them, of course, you know, know they're, well, they're not English, uh, one of them is Hoddle and Ibeezus together. I mean, they were world-class. You know, I just felt there was... A few years previous, there, there was a, a better mix, should we say. The following season was the Italia 90, Gaza really came of age, didn't he then, um, in, in that World Cup. And then the following season, you know, everyone wanted to see him and Lineker, which is just a shame that you know, we didn't follow through with the addition of Waddle, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it really was. And Sim, could you just take us move us on from the Chelsea away game? We had a few losses, but then we, we you know had ten games at the end of the season it was quite impressive, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, I think we won six out of our last eight. Then we we had a we had a bit of a dodgy run before the the last eight games of the season. We lost to home to Villa, away to Derby, home to Palace. John Moncur actually scored in the in the Derby game. But yeah, we won six out of the last eight. I think the standout the two standout games from that were beating in Liverpool. 1-0 at home, obviously they yep. go on to win the league and beating United 2-1 at home as well and Gazza and Lineker scoring in that game.
0: I remember going to Wimbledon away and also Wimbledon at home that season. I don't know, Kevin, if you remember, we were massively bullied by them every time we played them. It was a bit like Stoke and Arsenal, wasn't it?
1: They're Horrible, weren't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's sort of everything you're against, wasn't it, of being a Spurs fan, really? They Were brutal, weren't they? They bullied us. I think they'd beaten us even before they come out the tunnel, wouldn't they? Oh, absolutely, with the, the ghetto blasters and all, all, all the rest of it. But, uh, you know, there, there's some bad things that stick in the mind there, aren't there? With the uh, the Mabbitt injury and um, Gabby Stevens, yeah. I mean, you know, there's some, some of those things that that's not football for me. And a man like Mabbitt, who's just a real, genuine human being, I found that hard to take. Monker for me. Was a
0: nice little footballer, a nice technical footballer. He was aggressive. He was possibly more aggressive than Samways. He's a better runner. Peter, what do you remember of John Moncur? Are you a fan? Yeah, I, I, I thought it was a
3: tidy little player. Kind of doesn't stick out in the mind as being like somebody who could go on to be pivotal with Spurs. For me, Samways caught the eye more.
1: So I thought he had a lot of technical ability, and because his father was John Moncur Senior, who was on the Spurs coaching staff at the time. When he was coming through but I watched him in combination football and he looked to have half a chance if you like but when he did play maybe uh, he was possibly a little bit too young you may say but I think he was at Spurs well into his 20s before he, he you know he went further afield but you know, I quite like Moncur and at uh, 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 that era that sort of Spurs midfield player you could see he came through the ranks you know, you know look after the ball to, yeah. Reasonable fee, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a shame
0: they're looking back that, you know, that we didn't have the money to sort of supplement some of these great players we had because who knows what would have happened to us. You just never know, do you? Story, uh, story of our life. <laughs> yeah, story of our life. Um, so, Sim, we finished third in the season, which, you know, looking back was quite good. Um, Aston Villa were above us and Liverpool in the league. But the good thing was we finished above Arsenal. And um, for listeners who don't really realise that we went into the last game of the season, and we needed to win, and then they needed them to slip up, and they drew 2-2 at home to Norwich, and we beat Southampton. So, you know, that's not very spursy, is it? We did the business when it
3: mattered, yeah. That's not spursy at all. (laughs) I
0: I, I actually remember being at the last game of the season, the Southampton game, and not really concentrating on our game too much because of concentrating on the Arsenal game so much, because I think it was a bit of a topsy-turvy game from memory. Kevin, do you remember that? Yeah, you
1: know, I, I remember very little about
0: that. Yeah. Anyway, so we finished third, very good season, very pleasing. Next year we go on to win the FA Cup, but then when we go into the 90s we don't invest and there was a bit of turmoil, we had a lot of debt, so I was very disappointed. So it's interesting looking backwards going this way. But Sim, can you just take us through what happened, our uh, brief thing in the FA Cup, please?
2: Yeah, yeah so I finished third, we actually didn't finish third again for another 26 years till 2015-16 on the putch. We finished seven points behind Villa in the end and whoever finished second would have been allowed back in the UEFA Cup because that... European ban following high school was was gone by then for the nineteen ninety one season. But yeah, the FA Cup, we went out in the third round. Letizier, Rodney Wallace, and Barry Horn scored, and we lost three one at Southampton. Um, sorry, at home to Southampton. So yeah, yeah. Dave, I remember game. David
0: Howe scored a rocket um, volley, but all, all in a rocket shot. Sorry, all in a vein. No, we played very badly that day. I remember that very badly. They they, they were quite an up and coming team at that time though. Um, remember that sort of Southampton team of that era, Kevin and Peter? They quite vibrant. Rod Wallace, Letizia. Yeah, remember Rod the remember Rod They were a good team, weren't they?
3: He was a live wire. He was Rod Wallace, yeah. And, yeah, tears
0: coming through, yeah. Yeah. They were a d- decent team at the time. Um, and then, Sim, can you take us through our League Cup run up to the semi, please?
2: Yeah, so the League Cup was actually known as the Littlewoods Challenge Cup this season. We beat Southampton, oh, it's not Southampton, sorry, Southend United, 1-0 at home, Actually, can, in, I, can I just office. say,
1: yes, say
0: something yeah. on that, yeah, that yeah. 1 0 game at home? Before um, this game, Fennec had been getting booed mercifully like, by the crowd. They seemed to blame him. I don't know if you remember Kevin and Peter. He was a bit of a scapegoat for the Boo Boys. And then Sim, he scores a goal against South End. And bearing in mind the shelf's got no fans in it, he goes running over to the shelf and celebrates wildly in front of the
1: no fans. Do you remember that, <laughs> Kevin? Yeah, yeah. I do remember that, actually. Yeah, uh, You know, I, it, Fennec's another one, you know. As you say, the boo boys seem to get hold of someone, and you know at Spurs we've we've had a few down the years. From you know even John White apparently was booed, John Pratt, etc. etc. We've had a few, and I think with that particular instance with Fennick, I think you know the guy's played international football, he's played at World Cups and whatever. You know at the end of the day, he's not a bad footballer, but you know maybe he didn't have his best time at Spurs. And maybe was lacking a few few yards of pace, possibly. And and but the Spurs boys really got stuck into him towards uh, the end of his time at Spurs. And yeah, it unsavory, it?
0: yeah,
3: it's was quite unsavoury, wasn't it? It's unpleasant remember. to see. Yeah, yeah it is. You, you don't yeah. you don't like to see it, but it, they do. Choose, they choose to get on certain players' backs. I do remember the John Pratt definitely being called the C word many times. <laughs> Peter, who would you sort of say is the victim of the boo boys now at Spurs? I, I thought it was a bit unpleasant when they started to get on um, Harry Winters back a bit. It goes back to that Bayern Munich game. I thought he gave the ball away a lot in that game, and uh, they started to get get on his back a bit. And you know, obviously, if you're a confidence player, that can destroy yeah. you.
1: We've been on this bad run, haven't we? Before football stopped, and um, mm. yeah, defensively, I think the crowd are uh, never far, far away from getting on his back probably, because of his defensive performances, but uh, you know, there's, there's one or two now, you know, we, we, we're really struggling, or were struggling, to get any any form of a performance, and uh, as you say, you, you pick the likes of Winks out, you know, and uh, again, a footballer, it's sad really. Sim, who would you say, Lamella seems to get a little bit of a stick
2: for me. Yeah, I think Kevin's right about the, uh, the defenders, and I think Aurier is a bit of a is a bit of a target these days, isn't he? And I, I, I do clearly remember Clint Dempsey getting a lot of stick when when he played for us. He only played for us for a year, didn't he? But I remember being at a few away games and he didn't seem to be a player that the fans particularly took to, even though he did actually score that winner against United, didn't he? Yeah, well, yeah, effectively, yeah did. effectively
3: the winner, yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's a, a real shame. But yeah, that was quite an interesting story. But also the away game at End. I me, I don't know if you remember, guys, Peter and Kevin. At the time, there was a big thing about Spurs being a really wealthy club. They bought all these little companies, you know, there was stock exchange, and the fans used to sing loads and loads of money. Do you remember oh, yeah. that,
3: guys? Yeah, waving the wads,
0: but, you know, yeah. Yeah, wa- waving the wads. And I remember me, me and a few of my mates printed off loads of £10 notes and took them down to Southend and was, like, uh, waving them around and throwing them around, and then the police... Policeman threatened to arrest us for like
1: counterfeiting money or something. Just got amusing little way trip. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the the little step into sportswear with Hummel and, and, and the rest of it. You know, it, it, let's be fair. It, it, at the time, it was a, a new innovation for a football club, and you know, it had to be floated as well like we were. But you know, it, 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 it ended in tears, didn't it?
2: So we won the home game 1-0, didn't we? Lost the second leg, 3-2, and we went through after extra time. So I assume that we went out, went, not went out, sorry. I assume we went through on away goals yep. in that. Then we demolished Man United 3-0 at Old Trafford, actually. We actually won there twice in this season. Uh, that was only a month and a half before we beat them in the league. Uh, and then we drew 2-2 at Tranmere, took us to a fourth round replay in that, and we won that 4-0 and then we went out to Nottingham Forest who were the eventual winners in the in a fifth round replay we drawn 2-2 two yeah. two at the city ground and then Steve Hodge our former player turned us over in the second game 3-2 yeah i
0: mean i remember going to the away game actually and i don't know um peter yeah. and kevin there was thousands went up there for that game, but also the, what was interesting that night was I don't know if you remember, guys. Kevin,
1: did you go to that game? Yes, I did.
0: Yeah. And yeah. That Vanden Vanden was at right back, and Stuart Pearce was at left back. And there was one point in the game where they clashed, and the whole stadium just seemed to hold its breath. Yeah. Suddenly they clashed into each other, mm. got up, shook each other's hand, and got on with it. I just, do you
1: remember that? It was a real big thing yeah. that night about that. Yeah, real players those days. But uh, we'll be two nil down in that game. And uh, yeah, we were. Yeah. 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 We were. I, I think we all uh, thought we'd got a result and uh, we, we were going to turn them over in the home
0: game, didn't we? But not to be. No, they, that was a real shame. That was because they they had a really strong team then, didn't they? Quite a lot of young players in that team. It was a real shame we didn't go through there because to win yeah. that trophy would have been possibly you know give us a bit more you know a bit more per perpetu- You know might might have moved us forward a bit more and you know the FA Cup the next year. You just never know. What if again though, isn't it? What
1: yeah. if again for Spurs fans? Um one. A trophy hardly since 91, two League Cups. It's not not good enough, is it? Rick? No, it's not good enough. You're right. It's not good enough.
0: Anyway, guys, finished third. Kevin, would you say it was a good season?
1: Purely for the third place finish, I think. Yeah, things appeared to be on the up.
0: I totally agree. Peter, how would you sum up the season in a couple of words? Yeah, I think we were nearly man.
1: Okay. Sim,
0: how would you sum up the season in a couple of years from your extensive research?
2: <laughs> if you're going to spin it positively, you could say top dogs in London, couldn't you?
0: Yeah, good point actually, good point. I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the season purely because I went to a lot of games and I drank a lot of beer and had a lot of fun with the lads and I think yeah. that is what football is all about, isn't
3: it, Peter, Kevin, yeah. Sim? The, the match day experience, I was going to ask Kevin about how, how his match day experience uh, compares now to maybe going through the boys' gate on um, in like in the early days.
1: Completely different Peter, I must say. Completely different from, from the early days, you know, and it's, certainly the big games, because not every game was full. And, you know, you turn up to a game there's seventeen thousand. But you know, in the next game you've got, I don't know, Liverpool Arsenal at home there's fifty two thousand. You know, and, and the thought of queuing up and getting there in the ground at one o'clock and this sort of thing. Of course, you don't have to do it nowadays, do you? There's 60,000 and you can turn up five minutes before and get to your seat. Not the good old days, is it? Not the good old days.
0: Kevin, it's been brilliant having you on. Great, great to have your insight and to hear about uh, some old stories and, you know, the walking encyclopedia. Hopefully we can bump into it at White Hart Lane uh, one day and have a beer with you
1: yeah that'd be lovely thanks for having us on here anyway brilliant
0: pleasure keep well in lockdown guys and hopefully we'll be out of this soon we've only a few more seasons to go on this project listeners so we're going to go back to the 1986-87 season so keep listening and thanks again YA1 thanks guys cheers guys thanks guys all the best thanks Kevin see you mate